Kristen, it's Friday, May 10th, and I think you and I are going to answer what has to be the biggest question of the summer. How is the great Gatsby? It's all anyone ever asks me about. I walk into the office. I walk into see some friends. I, you know, my, I, my family, my dad calls. Everybody wants to know, how is the great Gatsby? Have you seen Gatsby? Is it any good? It's the big question. Is it great? Is it? Is it great? Is it, gr- is it great? Or is it, should it just be called Gatsby? <laughs> <laughs> the Gatsby. We're going to answer that question. We're also going to talk about uh, Peoples, a movie that also has a Long Island connection, as yeah. you pointed out. I, I'm so Also a big class connection. Both, of the, also both about, of the movies yes, about class, too. About class, wealth. Um, Gatsby set in, source, inspired by Great Neck and uh, set in the fictional villages of East and West Egg. And uh, Peoples set in Sag Harbor, Long Island, in the Hamptons. Those are both your areas. That's my your, that areas. That is your turf. As the Newsday guy, that is your land. My t- my town. <laughs> Great Gatsby, the, uh, the, the Fitzgerald novel, probably the first, certainly the first and likely the only novel to describe Long Island as riotous. <laughs> I love that about it. So... Uh, we'll talk about that. But first, let's introduce ourselves. I'm Rafer Guzman, movie critic for Newsday. And I'm Kristen Meinzer, producer for The Takeaway. And this is Movie Day. Okay, so let's talk about peoples first. And for some reason, I don't, I don't, I'm interested to hear why you seem to feel that this movie was really important to talk about. Do you want to give us a little uh, summary? Yeah, sure. Well, first, let's play a clip. This is Wade Walker, everybody. Guilty. Yeah, and uh, he's my friend. Oh, how wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) And also, we are in a relationship. <laughs> Excuse me. A relationship? Dad, I'm sure I mentioned I was seeing a Wade. No. No, I, I don't remember that. This is a movie that's been compared quite a bit to Meet the Parents. Instead of an all-white cast, however, you have an all-black cast, or yes. mostly black cast. And you have kind of a working-class hero guy and his girlfriend. They've been dating for about a year. Guy is Craig Robinson. Girlfriend is the lovely Carrie Washington. And she comes from a family that he refers to as the Chocolate Kennedys. Yes. They're very wealthy. He's uh, Her dad is a federal judge. Mom is a former pop star. They wear white sweaters and uh, they go sailing. They, you know, they do rich people things. Yeah. They're very, very rich. And he sings at birthday parties and his brother is a doll doctor. And he comes from uh, n- not a poor background, but just, you know, your average Jane or Joe background. Yeah. She has been hiding him from her family for the last year, even though they live together. She's all, she is a high-powered lawyer for the UN. Yes, that's right. That's right. And she goes back every year for this annual Moby Dick Day celebration in Sag Harbor. He decides to kind of crash the party uh, and meet the parents. And <laughs> It's hard to not say that <laughs> phrase, isn't it? <laughs> Working really hard not to say I, that. Brain. I know. I can. I can see your brain a working over there. But okay. The family obviously very very uh, proper. They have impeccable manners. Everything seems like a perfect, perfect, rich, well-to-do family on the outside. But underneath that surface, there are flaws. They were not perfect. 
and maybe they're even less perfect than Craig Robinson. Yes. yes. Uh, Judge, Judge Virgil Peoples, the, the patriarch, is played by David Allen Greer. Where's he been? Uh, you know, sort of – sort Living of, uh, color. Well, yeah. <laughs> OK. Uh, and then – and he had Chocolate News uh, for a while, his yes. series, briefly. Yes. And uh, the mom, Daphne, is played by S. Epatha Merkerson from, from Law and uh, Order. Van Buren from Law and Order. Diane Carroll, who makes a cameo. Yes. And, and, and as, Martin Van Peebles. And, Mar- and Mel- Melvin, Melvin, Melvin Van Peebles, and the filmmaker. Yes. Melvin Van Peebles. As, was... as Virgil Peebles' dad. Yes, I, which I love. And Sweet, Sweet Back's Badass Song is actually one of my favorite movies yes. of all time. So seeing yes. him in the movie was just, I thought it was great. It was a fun play on names and so on. Now, what did you think about this movie, Rafer? You're you're talking a lot about facts, but you're not injecting a ton of opinion except to imply that you loudly exhaled about the meet the parents. Well, <laughs> I would say about this movie a couple of things. So this this is this is uh, kind of a breakout role for Craig Robinson, who's the star of the one of the stars of The Office. Um, and then has been in these supporting roles in mostly white ensemble uh, comedies like Hot Tub Time Machine and um, Pineapple Express, things like that. He'll be in uh, This Is the End, the movie with Seth Rogen and all those guys. I am so excited for that movie. I I can't stop talking about it. You're so so thrilled about that that film. We we shall see. Oh, man. Now, so so this is is his first leading man role. Um, I think the movie is is, – it's it's funny. It has a really – it mostly, I think, has a really good heart. It's a really good-natured and also classy comedy. It's it's not a lot of vulgarity. There are some se- there's some sexual humor. There are a few little you know moments. Uh, you know, some someone's going to have to get naked and someone's going to have to be grossed out by it, of course. But the the vulgarity, the level of crassness, the the sexual jokes, the crude humor, there really isn't a- almost any of that in this film, which I found really refreshing. As did I. I noticed that too. Yeah, there, there aren't just a bunch of fart jokes and Viagra right. jokes and poo right. jokes and yeah. There is. Uh, I'm I, this this I think is not a spoiler because it's telegraphed very early on. There is a gay subplot in this film, which is so well handled, in my opinion. I thought it was. Well, that's interesting you say that. I thought it was. Rather clumsily handled, but Ooh. respectfully handled. Yes, and it, and yes. It, and it's very nice to see. It fits in with the movie's overall message of tolerance and acceptance. You know, someone comes to you, you embrace that person. Um, and that's that was nice to see. I, I think the movie has sort of a low-key sense of humor. It's not that wacky, not a lot of belly laughs. And I... And David Allen Greer, I think, is is really wonderful as Virgil Peoples. He, I think he actually steals the show away from Craig Robinson. But I, it's the movie is really and truly identical to Meet the Parents. Oh no, it's not. It Rafer, is no identical. It is not. First of all, it's funny. And... Uh, Meet the Parents was funny and much and much cleverer, more complicated. Higher stakes, wackier situations, more ima- a little more imagination, more inventive with its with its sitcommy scenarios. I, I have to disagree with you. One really? of my biggest pet peeves with uh, Meet the Parents is the men are allowed to be funny, and the women are like, "Come on, honey, let's just get along." Yeah, and, and I really get so tired of that scenario. I feel like that's every sitcom in America. That's that that's like everybody loves Raymond. That's like the honeymooners. The man is wacky. The women try to get the men to settle down. And huh. I hate that model. 
Aren't we past that? It's been 100 years since that model's been going on. And I think in this movie, the women actually are allowed to be funny. I didn't see them being funny that often, frankly. What? You don't think Ma Peoples is hilarious? Well, kind of. I don't want to give it away, but she's pretty wacky. Yeah. Well, yeah, but I I still think – well, anyway. Okay. Well, I think think you might be be seeing things in this movie that maybe I'm not seeing, Kristen. Oh. Well, maybe. I might be seeing certain things as a woman. I, I do Could think be. that comedy frequently has a bad habit of not letting the women be funny. And in this one, I thought the women were allowed to be funny. Also, I really actually liked all the people in the people's family. Me too. Me I too. really liked them. And I Me thought too. that, you know what? This family looks kind of messed up on the outside, but I would totally love to be a part of this family. Yeah, it's a, it's a good-hearted. a great family to hang out with. I want to go to Sag Harbor with you. I want to ride bikes. I'll eat lobster with you. I'll Sa- do it. Yeah. Trivia. Sag Harbor actually has uh, uh, several uh, and has for years and years and years has uh, several very wealthy black communities in it, yeah. which is part of the reason why it was chosen, although it was filmed in uh, Connecticut. Oh, really? Well, because Sag Harbor is too expensive. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, have you ever read the book by Colson Whitehead, Sag Harbor? No, you know, I have not read that. Oh, read it. Read I for, should. As, as a Long Island journalist, you should totally check it out. You would probably have a totally different take on the book. I should. I would like you, to read that, that book. Here. Yeah. But. I would like to read that book. And, of course, Sag Harbor's other claim to fame is it features several times in Moby Dick, which is why there's all these Moby Dick references uh, in uh, Peoples. So, you know, me, I would say and a kind of a – not quite okay date. I just I can't Aww. really say you got. I you know, there's just not enough real laughs and and fun and inventiveness in the movie for me to recommend it. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that, Rafer. Because for me, it was an awesome day. Awesome I love this date. I want to hmm. marry this date. Interesting. I want to I, I marry the peoples. I want to be there. Not what I would have expected from I you, Kristen. Loved it. Such a a, a sweetheart. A good time, some nice laughs, and you leave just feeling happy. All right. Well, let's see. <laughs> let's see if we can find some common ground on on the, on the big movie of the week, one of the biggest movies of the summer, The Great Gatsby. In 3D. Who is this Gatsby? He was a German spy during the war. Teddy Barton, Nick Carraway. A German spy? No, 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 no. He's the Kaiser's assassin. I heard he killed a man once. It's true. Kills for fun, free of charge. He's certainly richer than God. <laughs> you don't really believe he killed a man, do you? Well, let's go find him and you can ask him yourself. You just love saying in 3D. <laughs> you love the you love the fact that the Great Gatsby has come to us in 3D. It's awesome. And ever since God, what's it been like nine months since we first saw trailers for this? Because it was supposed to come out. It was supposed at to come Christmas out time, Christmas time, right? right? Right. Yeah. So I feel like we've been seeing trailers for nine months that all ended in 3D. In 3D. <laughs> well, so here it is. Uh, for those of you who uh, have been living in a cave and have been untouched by the the merciless Warner Brothers marketing machine that has been hyping this thing. Um, this is the adaptation, the fourth Hollywood adaptation of the F. Scott Fitzgerald novel. Um, Leonardo DiCaprio plays Jay Gatsby, a mysterious millionaire, Mr. Nobody from Nowhere, who shows up in uh, Long Island and is looking for a woman named Daisy Buchanan who is married. She's an aristocrat, very wealthy, from Louisville, Kentucky, I think she's from. And uh, she's now married, but Jay Gatsby and she have a 
history, and he seems to want to uh, recreate that history. Toby Maguire plays Nick Carraway, the our narrator who befriends Gatsby, um, and then uh, he's also as, distant cousins with Daisy. Also distant cousins with Daisy, right? Um, Daisy is played by Carrie Mulligan from An Education, and Tom Buchanan, her husband, is played by Joel Edgerton, um, who I. Uh, loved in a movie called Warrior, um, but it seems to me that very oh, few warriors people warriors come out and play. <laughs> not, not that warrior. Okay, I know, not I know. that warrior. <laughs> but not that many people know Joel Edgerton, although I think they will after this film. Um, so, Kristen, tell me your thoughts about the book. The book. Well, I have to say, unlike most kids in America, I was not assigned this book in high school. Mm -hmm. But when I first moved to New York in 99, I assigned myself a task of reading one New York-themed book a week for my first year in New York. And this was one of the first books I read when I moved to New York. Sure. And I really thought that the writing was beautiful. But even back then, I thought, this is a book, and I don't know if this is a movie. It's just sure. so much about the book is about the language and not even about the action. A lot of it's about speculation and it's so internal. Nick Carraway, the narrator, is not really an active participant in the story. He is somebody who observes everything. He idolizes people. He becomes really infatuated with wealth and with money and with parties. But he is somebody who isn't really in the story that much. He's a very, very, very passive observer. Mm-hmm. Very passive. Yeah. He, he really play. He plays almost no real role in the plot at all. Yeah, and and for that reason, even when I was reading the book, I thought I don't think this needs to be a movie. And I know Hollywood disagrees. They keep trying. They well, keep trying. <laughs> it, I mean, it's such a you know it, as you as you were saying, you know, Fitzgerald's language. I, I I think I reread the book not that long ago. I also was not assigned it in high school, and I reread it not that long ago to sort of prepare for this movie, and I was just realizing that, that this, is, this is the book, like when you think about writing, this is the kind of writing you think about. When, when, you, when you had this idea in your head of what fine, beautiful writing is, it's kind of this. It's so beautiful. It is so elegant, so, so fine, so so lovely. It, it's it's really kind of impossible to describe. I think that's what entrances everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what draws everyone back to the book. That's what draws Hollywood back to the book. The the other thing is the characters are so enigmatic. They're so, you know, I think this book is almost an accidental masterpiece. Fitzgerald initially had it was calling it Trimalchio in, in West Egg, which was uh, Trimalchio being a character from, I think, the Tiracon. I'm not sure if that's right, but oh. he was sort of a dissipated kind of. He's sort of the original party animal, Trimalchio. This is <laughs> dissipated, debauched hanger-on who's always throwing these lavish, gross parties for lavish, gross people, which suggests one thing about Jay Gatsby. But then Fitzgerald also was going to call it "Under the Red, White, and Blue," which has this clearly American mm. that that gets to the the, no, the novel's themes of hope and promise and romance and and the future and optimism. It's conflicted. The novel is conflicted. The, the characters are conflicted. I think that works in the book, but that is anathema to a screenplay. Oh, yeah. and, you you know, can't do that in a movie. I mean, no. some people do, but most know, likely not. And you know F. Scott Fitzgerald always dreamed of breaking into the film industry. Yes. He tried and tried and tried and tried. Yes. But his writing is like poetry. It's not, it's not like a screenplay. It's not, that, and, it's not that kind of writing. Yeah, it's not that kind of writing, and I think that that's a real challenge as far as adapting it. Yeah. And, um, I, the book has a lot of great themes. The movie, 
let's talk about the movie. Let's talk about the movie. Let's talk about the movie here. So you and I were both looking forward to this movie very much. I was probably looking forward to more than you were. I think I Hmm. loved the trailers. Oh, you loved the trailers. Yeah, every time the trailers were on, I would get really excited, and I thought, "This is how Gatsby's finally going to work." The last several attempts at the movie, they kind of fell flat. Um, yeah, they they seem to lack energy. They seem to have that passive feeling, like the book does, like with the passive narrator. But I saw the trailers early on and just thought, this is going to really get it right. It's going to be spectacular. It's going to get the sparkle and the veneer and the parties, and it's going to explode and it's going to be current and it's going to tap into that youth and that energy and that money. It's just going to smell like money, and that's what it's going to do. And it's going to be like Daisy's voice. Sounds like money. <laughs> yes, yes. Sounds like money. But you were also looking forward to it, even though I know you weren't as enchanted with the trailers as I was. No, I, was, I, just, it just, I just had a big question mark over my head. Every time I saw that trailer, I just thought, who knows? Who knows? This is, I don't think we've mentioned this is Baz Luhrmann, the director, the Australian director uh, who did Romeo and Juliet with DiCaprio and mm-hmm. did uh, Moulin Rouge with Nicole Kidman. Um, we can not mention Australia, his other Nicole Kidman <laughs> collaboration. No one seemed to like that one. I liked it okay. Um, not a hit. So you know his style. Uh, you know, he, comes, he has an opera background. It's very flamboyant, colorful. He loves pop music. Mm-hmm. Everything's got a bit of a Madonna yeah. flair yeah, to it. It feels like music videos of the late yeah. 90s. Exactly. Well, let's talk about that. <laughs> let's, talk about the, let's talk about the look of the film and the 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 new jazz, which is uh, hip hop, uh, Lerman, who's been on a on a on a whirlwind press junket, and who I've interviewed uh, to write about this oh. film. Yeah, I got a chance to interview him. Ch- charming, completely engaging, terrific guys. Totally wonderful to talk to. Um, I could have talked to him for hours, and I, I think he's the kind of guy who could who could have talked to you for hours. That's just sort of the way he is. Um, really fun to interview, but he his his one of his little taglines he's been carrying around with him is that he. He, kept, he For the music, he wanted to go to that other J, Jay-Z. Oh, yes. I yes. heard him say that on the red Yes, I, I, I've, heard him, I've heard him say that three million times by now. I've, I've followed him all over the place. I've been at the Plaza Hotel with him. I've been out in, out in the Gold Coast in uh, Port Washington with him. So I've been you, hearing him. You and Baz. Oh, me and Baz. Now it's like, you know, yeah. Just the two of you hanging out. Yeah. Drinking mint juleps. Yep, that's us. No, but he was really fun. And so that his idea, I think, was... Uh, what she said to me was, you know, 1920s jazz, uh, an African-American vernacular, colloquial street music uh, became the music of the time, became the defining music of the time. What's its equivalent now? Got to be hip hop. So he puts the hip hop in there. How did that work for you? I thought it was a smart decision. Really? Yes. And uh, I know this is a very controversial decision because for those who have read the book or seen other adaptations of the film, the music is very, very integral to the plot. Yes. And it was one of the first American novels to really to use quotations from song right. lyrics that were right. popular at the time. They are. It's kind of like uh, imagine your first time reading a book where there are constant lyrics from Madonna like sprinkled throughout in yeah. the 1980s. And yeah. that at the time was considered very passe, kind of shocking. Yeah. It seemed like, oh, well, this will never be a classic then. This will be a fun summer read. And a lot, yeah. of, a lot of book critics at the time said, this is a fun beach read. Mm-hmm. It'll, ne- it'll never go down in history. This is just fluff. It's just all about young people partying and current music. And they were wrong. <laughs> but the music, but the mu- it's interesting the music worked for you because to me, I felt that it made kind of an, uh, to me, it didn't really bother me. I felt it, it, he, Baz Luhrmann sort of wove it in nicely. 
Uh, a lot of times you'll be hearing a jazz song that will kind of segue into a hip-hop song or will have some kind of jazzy filigree, a trumpet, something kind of in it to mm-hmm. sort of mix, sort of mesh the two periods. But it just seemed like kind of an obvious w- sort of a one-note idea, you know. Mm. "Twas ever thus, right? <laughs> that was then, this is now. And I kind of feel like, yeah, okay, I, I got that. Okay, can I just say one other music moment, though, in yeah. the movie that – my favorite moment in the entire movie, the yeah. first giant party we go to, and you know, of course, Beyonce crazy and loves playing, and a bunch yes. of other, you know, and and everyone's dancing and going nuts, and it, that, the kind of dancing, the way it's set up, almost looks like a Bugsy Berkeley sort of, you know, and, uh-huh. uh, configuration of choreography, and there's explosions, there's champagne fountains, there's a giant fireworks display going on in the background, and then we see Gadsby, yes, and. You know, Rhapsody in Blue. Rhapsody comes in Blue, up. yes. And, and which is great. And that's the only time music like Rhapsody in Blue plays in the whole movie. And yeah. it's so completely out of place and so perfect. And that is my favorite moment in the whole movie. And what I thought watching that was this is the way I want the music to be used throughout. It's not used that way throughout. No. But it's not. I, I mean, I was. I, I, and I kind of wish that Baz Luhrmann took more risks like that and just said, you know what? I'm just going to go all the way with this. I'm going to huh. make this as crazy and flamboyant as possible. This is going to look like Cirque du Soleil mixed with showgirls, and we're going to just take it all the way. And well, I think he does. I mean, I mean that, oh, that no. opening party looks like a Katy Perry concert. It's fantastic. It's like confetti and you know, dancing girls and costumes. and. But he doesn't take it all the way because then after that big party scene, not much more like that happens in the movie. It's just like, mm. look, now we're having dinner. Look, now we're driving. Look, now we're having a conversation in the bedroom. Look at my shirts. Oh, I yeah? Really, well, yeah, okay. I really wanted to be that explosive and oversaturated. I wanted it to be like some sort of fever dream the whole time, not just that one scene. Well, tell me, okay, tell me the other question I think everyone wants to know is what did you make of Leonardo DiCaprio as Gatsby? I think he's the best Gatsby I've ever seen. I do too. Um, He is handsome. He's flawed. He actually seems somewhat like a real person. And I think that one of the issues with, um, as we said earlier in the book, The characters sometimes ring hollow because the book is so much about prose. It's so much about language, but it's not necessarily about fully developed character. And Gadsby is really the narrator's imagination in the book in a lot of ways. And in this movie, I feel like he's not just Nick Carraway's imagination. He's a person who has a past, who has desires, who is... Very, very complicated. Did you he's, did he's, you feel that way too? Yeah, I mean, he. I see you nodding. Yeah, well, I you know uh, he's been played before. This is the, this is the fourth adaptation. Um, there was a 1926 version, which no one's what not no one can see now because is it's it a lost. Movie? It's a silent oh. movie. Yeah, it's lost. It's gone. There's a, there's a trailer. The Library of Congress has has one one trailer left. But that's all there is. Um, there's a 49 version, 1949 version with Alan Ladd, and Alan Ladd plays Gatsby as very tough, very gangsterish. And then, of course, the famous, the infamously, the, in, the infamous 1974 dud with um, oh. Robert Redford and Mia Farrow. Oh, um, God. And so Redford, bad. So I, you know, I actually like that version okay. I think that version has a lot of good things to be said for it. But Redford does, the, the big complaint was he was just too pretty. And it's kind of true. It's not that he's just physically pretty. He don't, you never get a sense of him. He just seems kind of. He seems above it all and superior, like he's floating. He doesn't seem real. Um, he, there's no vulnerability to him at all. And 
Gatsby's a very vulnerable character. He's a tragic character. And DiCaprio, I think, just nailed it. And for the first time, Gatsby comes alive and seems like a person. He's a, he's a fraud, but he's a good person. He's, he's morally compromised, but he's got a good heart. He's, he's vulnerable. He's, he's funny, um, which is the very first time I've ever seen Gatsby be funny in the, in the scene where he's preparing for Daisy's <laughs> arrival and, and, he, and he's filled Nick Carraway's cottage with flowers. It's, a, it's, a, it's an almost sitcomish, slapstickish scene in the, in the novel. No one ever seems to get that, that it's kind of a funny, sort of pathetic slash funny at the same time. And this movie really captures that. And I think it's because of DiCaprio. Um, he's just great. It's a tremendous performance from him. I'll agree with you on that. DiCaprio is terrific in this. And he's... Joel Edgerton is Tom Buchanan. But what did you think of Daisy? Carrie Mulligan yeah. as Daisy. Let's talk about Daisy because Daisy is a really complicated character. She's, yeah. She's one of those characters who I think that – how can I put this? I don't want to ruin this for everybody who, ha- who hasn't seen the movie, right. who hasn't read the book. But she – to me, the fact that Gadsby is so obsessed with her and loves her so much – makes me kind of like Gadsby a little bit less because she's such an awful person. Because she's so despicable. She's so despicable that I love Gadsby so much as a character except for the fact that he loves Daisy. But if he doesn't love Daisy, then there's no great Gadsby at all. That's the big problem with the 74 version as well is because Mia Farrow from the get-go, from her very first opening scene – is just intensely irritating. Oh, God, her voice. Her voice? I can't her, even do her voice. Is you, there a voice like this? I'm not even going to try. You're, <laughs> but you're right. She has this horrible fluttering. She just seems like a, like a neurotic mess. Who just, You just look at her you just think like, oh, God, get that woman away. I, I, I've, I've, I've been in the room with that woman. Get her away from me. Um, you know, it, it, Carrie Mulligan looks the part I think of Daisy. She, she, she physically, she looks great, and I love Carrie Mulligan as an actress. And mm-hmm. there is, and there is this idea that they mention this in the movie that that passage from Gatsby, where you know this idea of Gatsby's enchanted objects, and and you see Daisy looks like an enchanted object. The problem is, in the in the book, she was a really vibrant character. When you were in the room with her, you wanted to. You wanted her to lavish some attention on you. You know, Gatsby says her voice sounds like money. And Carraway says, you know, her face was full of bright things, you know, that, 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 and she, she promised that she promised that you'd be doing some gay, exciting things. She always looked gay and exciting and that you'd be with her doing gay, exciting things in the future. You just don't get that from this Daisy. She's just sad. She's sad, sad, sad through the whole movie. It's a one-note Daisy. I don't think it's Carrie Mulligan's fault. I think the part's been written that way. But there's no, there's no, there's no life to her. You don't, you don't really see why it is, aside from the fact that she represents a, a sort of a, a stamp of approval, money, and respectability. You don't see why he would be so drawn to her, yeah. right? I, yeah, you know, I, I will say the first introduction of Daisy was the. I don't see this very often in Daisy, but I saw a little glimmer of Baz Luhrmann trying to make her exciting. Yes, in that very when, first scene. In the first scene the, where the she's introduced. Billowing curtains. Yeah, and, and, she, and she looks at you in a way where, like, you're the most important person in the world, and she has been waiting her whole life to have this moment with you. And you get a little glimmer of that in the first scene she's introduced in. And that actually got me excited. I'm like, this is going to be a good Daisy. Mm-hmm. But then she's not really a yeah. good Daisy. She's yeah. beautiful, though. You're right. But she's not really... Uh, She's not a full round character, and and I never thought I'd say that Gadsby is the full round character in a Gadsby movie. Right, I know, he I never know. Is, but he actually is of all the characters in the movie the 
fullest and most complete of all the characters, in and, my opinion, in this movie. Yeah. My other complaint, too, is that the two the two other really important, smaller but very important characters, Jordan Baker, um, played That's by... Like Daisy's uh, best friend. She's yeah. a famous golfer. And right. She's a famous flapper. Right. Uh, you know, she uh, she is the embodiment of the fast the fast moving high living successful modern liberated and also morally flawed remember she's got that mm. that history where she perhaps uh, uh nudged one of her golf balls uh she's there's no romance between her and caraway they're not a romantic couple in this movie and then also myrtle wilson uh the mistress of tom buchanan kind of a cameo bit it's a very small part more of a prop part um that was an objection but here's what i'm going to say to sort of sum up for me this was sort of two movies. One is the big Baz Luhrmann flash spectacle, pop, pop-driven, pop you know, bonanza. And the other is a pretty sensitive, well-acted Gatsby story. And I chose to sort of look the other way on the Baz Luhrmann spectacle part and focus more on the sensitive Gatsby story. And for that I gave it three stars, even Whoa, though I think, three. yeah, I gave it three out Whoa. of four stars, Wow! which I, I think there's a lot of stuff I hated in this movie, particularly the narration. Um, but <laughs> are you talking about the narration that's actually written on the, the, the screen? Yes, the, the words that are, yes, loud? both the word, yes, and the framing device in which Nick Carraway is now essentially Fitzgerald. I, I knew that would drive you nuts because that's one of in. your pet peeves oh. is when the character in the movie becomes the author of the book that like the movie on is the road. based on. Yes. Oh, God. I actually... The whole time I'm like, I bet Rafer's just so mad right now. <laughs> I, but I, I will say, I will say, I did a lot of willful overlooking of the flaws to focus on the good parts, and but I think they are worth focusing on, and ultimately, I, I liked the movie. Wow. Wow. But you? No. I did no. not like the movie. Really? I wanted it. You know what? I wanted there to be more explosive Baz Luhrmann-ishness in this movie. Strange. I, you wanted, strange. You want, no, I'm just saying that you wanted more of the you wanted more of the flash. Because I feel like Baz Luhrmann is best when he's doing the flash and when he's not doing the flash, I felt like he didn't really know what to do. Yeah. I felt like there were a lot of slow moments, empty spaces, almost just felt like carbon copies of other Gadsby's I've seen when it's not all of that flash and explosion. Huh. And I thought if he just took it all the way, made it as sequin-filled and crazy and sparkly as possible and just did that through the whole movie, it would have taken Gadsby to a different place. But he doesn't. It's just like the same old Gadsby in lots of ways with a little sparkle here and a little sparkle there. Huh. DiCaprio, DiCaprio's great. Yep. I'll reiterate that. But... In the end, I just felt like, and I already just said this on the takeaway, I felt, I felt like the movie was almost a metaphor for the themes of the book. Mm-hmm. So sparkly on the outside, so captivating, so money, but then underneath it all, very hollow. So uh, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I have yes. to say it's a bad date. A bad date? Oh, I would, not, I would definitely not say it was a bad date. I, I think it's really worth seeing. I think there's a lot, there's, as I've said, there's a lot to dislike. But I think there's a lot to like, and I thought it was ultimately a pretty good date. Okay. I'm not going to say bad. I'll take that back. A not good date. <laughs> mm. Mm. Okay. A so-so Gatsby. Yeah. So-so Gatsby. All right. All right. Listeners, there's your answer. That's what we thought of The Great Gatsby. Now you know. Um, in 3D. <laughs> in 3D. Which I just don't care about. Not one of, neither one of us even mentioned that, did we? Uh, who cares? I, know, I don't yeah, care I'm about okay. 3D. All right. So... Let's revisit our trivia question. Last week, we talked about Iron Man 3, which had Ben Kingsley doing a very strange accent. And we noted that he'd done many, many strange accents, uh, a wide variety of accents over his career. And we played a clip of one of them. Here it is. Friday, the Grosvenor, you'll be there. 
I won't. You will, I told Ted you're doing it. Don't you show me up. No, I won't be there. You will, you missed the round tree. What the hell is that accent? What is that accent? <laughs> Don't know. I'm not familiar enough with regional, with the regions of England to know, but uh, we did get someone who called in. My name's Elena. I'm from Brooklyn, and I believe that it's Ben Kingsley, and the movie is Sexy Beast. And in the movie, he is a very, very sexy beast, and he does an accent that is unbelievably impeccable and not what you would expect from a man of Ben Kingsley's stature. So there you go. Thanks. Bye. Elena Bingo. in Brooklyn. Great job. Bingo, Elena. Good job. <laughs> Admittedly, I have not seen Sexy Beast Oh, yet. you should see it. I know. Everyone tells me I should see it. I'm going to see it. It's supposed to be sexy. And, <laughs> and, and, and beastly. <laughs> All right. So this week's trivia question, in honor of peoples, that's right. We're not yeah. asking a Gatsby question. We're no, asking, not Gatsby. We're asking peoples. a question about peoples. Carrie Washington stars in Peoples. We all love Carrie Washington these days. She's on that hit series, Scandal. She's in Django Unchained. She's everywhere these days. We all love her. But there was a time in her life where she was just known as the girlfriend of a child star. What is the name of that child star that she was with for so long? And what is the name of his most famous movie? If you know the answer, call us. 5717 movies or log on to facebook.com slash movie date podcast.